Welcome to the Payoff Pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting on Phantom Mall Radio. DNL Window Tinting, we put the shades of the, on the sun. And once again, I'm Paul Valley, and joining me today is the critically acclaimed and highly lauded Derek Arnold. Derek, Too how are we doing today? I'm good, Paul. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty well, man. Always, uh, always doing well when we get to talk some Orioles baseball, despite the fact that they're 21 and 52. <laughs> After that 16 to 2 loss last night at the hands of the Oakland Athletics, giving up 10 runs in the sixth inning. That's right, 10 runs in the sixth inning. Uh, they're just, uh, you know, they had Dan Straley come in and he kind of took one for the team, giving up six runs in just over three innings, I believe. Um, needed somebody to do it, but he can't be on this team much longer, can he? Dan Straley, man, it's funny. Like, his nickname should just be takes one for the team at this point. That's, right. That, that's what he does. That's not what he's trying to do. Like, you can see he's after the second of the three home runs he got last night, he was, like, on the mound, jumping up and down, like, visibly frustrated. Like, how am I this bad? And um, I saw a stat from at MLB Random Stats. Dan Straley, as of right now, actually has the highest FIP in a season in Major League Baseball history for pitchers who have thrown at least 30 innings at 9.30. 9.30 FIP. The next closest guy was uh, Brett Hidschiff in 1999 at 8.91. So he's almost a half run higher than the next worst pitcher ever. That's crazy, and especially when you consider the fact that we lived through 2010 Brian Mattis and 2018 Chris Tillman. Chris Tillman, yeah. yeah. That's, that's insane to me. Yeah, like watching bad pitching is what we've been accustomed to as Orioles fans. And somehow they always find someone to push it to that next level of bad pitching. <laughs> and somehow it never gets easier to watch. Never gets any easier to watch, man. Um, I want to do a quick callback. It's the last time you and I talked about Dan Straley, last time we talked on air at all, it was at the, um, the Birdland Radio at Section 336, like right at the beginning of the season. Right. We talked about an article on Baseball Prospectus where the writer had sort of chosen um, who would be the Orioles' Jose Altuve, meaning who is the player that's here at the start of the rebuild who, when the rebuild comes to fruition, he's like a star on that team. And he chose Drew Jackson as his number one. We talked about him being the Orioles' Marwin Gonzalez. Or right, right, right. Yeah, 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 just a super utility guy, going to be around for a while. And funnily enough, like maybe two weeks after we talked it about was a that. Week. It was oh, a, week a week later. He got Five days, actually. He got sent back to the Dodgers for Dan Straley. And so just out of sheer morbid curiosity, I, I looked this morning and checked in on Drew Jackson. He's not, believe it or not, setting the world on fire in AAA for the Dodgers. He's hitting 241, 344, 390, and 141 uh, at-bats for the Dodgers uh, AAA squad out in the PCL. So a little tougher to hit, but mm -hmm. not, not tearing it up. And I was a little bit shocked. I expected Drew Jackson to be lighting the world on fire in AAA because that would be the most Orioles tragic thing to happen. Well, it would be that's so O's, a hashtag you, yeah, always, yeah, absolutely. you always use that's on Twitter. Absolutely, that's so and Drew Jackson, you know, I did keep tabs on him for a little bit after the Orioles traded him. I had hoped that they would have done the same thing like they did with Pedro Alarujo, where they sent him back but then worked out a trade. That didn't happen. I kept tabs on, on him a little bit. He got off to a hot start at AAA. I don't think he's ever played above AA until this year. I think this is his first taste of AAA pitching, and, you know, he's having those struggles that come when you, you know, promote to a new level. Um, I was upset to see him go. I understood the move at the time. Hindsight being 2020, you see what Dan Straley's done for this ball club. You see what every pitcher right. has done for this ball club. Uh, you, you don't know how much Drew Jackson would have helped, but it would have been nice to have kept a versatile player such as Drew Jackson, <clears throat> excuse me, in the system, especially when you look at what Dan, Dan Straley's doing right now. 
they in Australia, yeah, it hurts to watch. Um, I'm not sure how much longer they can keep running him out there. Like, it's one thing to have a guy who can eat some innings for you, but he's not even doing that. Like, he, he is a batting practice machine right now. And, it, like, it's not easy to give up three home runs in a game in Oakland. And he did it in an inning, I think. Or maybe, mm-hmm. in, yeah, maybe yeah, because it was a 10-run a sixth. So he, he gave up three home runs that inning, I believe. Uh, maybe one in the eighth. Whatever. It's not easy to do. Yeah. And they were just lighting him up. Um, how long? How much longer do you think until he catches the big DFA? It's. It's. I mean, it's got to be coming soon. The Orioles don't have a ton of pitching at the at the high levels of the minor leagues. Um, Keegan Aiken is the only pitcher with at least nine starts and a sub five five ERA at the minor league level. You look at guys like Luis Ortiz, who somehow got promoted despite a seven oh one ERA, uh, and Josh Rogers. They've been awful down there. Um, Tom Eshelman, he did, the Orioles just traded international bonus slot money for him. Uh, they got him from the Phillies. He's had one start, seven innings, one earned run. He might be the next arm to come up. You know, and they sent David Hess down to that down to that rotation. Dan Straley may stick around if for no other reason than they don't have anybody else to replace him with. That's a sad state of affairs, man. Um, we mentioned that game last night, and it was just about. 12 hours ago now, and uh, the Orioles are about to play another game in about three hours, and I don't know if you heard, they have uh, Jimmy Acabonis as an opener yeah, today yeah. to be followed by Josh Rogers, who ha- was not good in AAA. He wasn't good um, for those couple appearances he made for the Orioles earlier this year, so we could be in for more of the same today. Um, you know, the opener idea is you get one inning out of the reliever and then some length behind him, you know, three, four, five innings. Is there anyone who's confident that Josh Rogers can go out there and throw four or five innings today? Probably well, no. not. And if you had asked us that back in spring training, yeah. he was a fringe guy who, made, who had a shot to make the roster. He, it came yeah. down to the final days of spring training before he got you know, reassigned to the minor leagues. And it's so funny when you think about this team because it used to be you would look at a game like today and it could be a reverse lock. The Orioles should lose this game 12-2, to two, so they'll go out and win 12-2. to two. Right. There's no such thing as a reverse <laughs> lock with the Baltimore Orioles. What you see is what you get. What you expect is what you get. The Orioles are going to lose this game 12-2 to two today. No, they're going to lose this game 12-2 to two today. There's nothing, especially with how bad the offense has been, and we'll get back to that in a little bit, but there is nothing that they have done at any point this season. Again, 21-52, and 52, they're just as bad as they were last year at this point in the season. There's nothing to suggest that, that there's a turnaround coming. Yeah, man. And, um, I was one of these idiots who, at the beginning of the year, said that there's no way they can be as bad as last year, right? Like, I, I said it, too. That was a more talented team that had every single break go wrong. And it was like, all right, this team's less talented, but they're still professional baseball players. Things will happen. And like you said, they're, they're every bit as bad and at some points worse. Like Last year, it seems like, at least in the beginning of the year, the games would be close, and then they'd sort of make an error here or there, and they lose by two or three runs. Now, the games are close, and then the other team has a 10-run sixth inning or something. Right. It, it, it's, it's, <laughs> so the games stay close in the first few innings. You're not seeing the Orioles down 8-1 to one in, the, in the fourth or fifth inning these days. You're seeing them down 4-3, to 4-2, 3-2, to two, something like that. And then the next thing you know, the, the starter gives up a home run. They take him out. They bring in that dumpster fire of a bullpen. And the next thing you know, it's a six- or seven-run inning. And that and sort of speaks to... Um, the starting pitching, which has a little bit been better than we expected, at least the three guys who, who you can say are Orioles starters right now. Right. Kashner, Bundy, Means. Right, who are getting the first three games against Seattle, so that's nice. Yeah, right. Um, and then, I don't know if you saw Brandon Hyde's comments 
last night. He said, I thought it was a Major League Baseball game through five innings. It was 6-2 in the sixth, and then really bad baseball after that. You know, pretty embarrassing again. Hard to watch. And mm -hmm. so the other day, I think it was Sunday, we saw Brandon Hyde lose his mind a little bit. Uh, justifiably so. That was a terrible call uh, that reversed the squeeze bunt by um, Keon Broxton. Took a run off the board against Boston. Brandon Hyde got tossed. I'm starting to really like this edgier side of Brandon Hyde. Like, well, and you can tell he's, he's as sick of watching this as we are. He's used to being with the Cubs, like watching good fundamental baseball. Mm -hmm. This is foreign to him. He's not like an Orioles fan where he's, he's been watching this for a while. And he's like, oh, here we go again. That's so, oh, it's Brandon Hyde. He meets out a little bit, and I, I'm looking forward to him meeting out a little bit more. Well, with him, he's kind of, he's really unloaded his frustrations over the last week plus. And it's so funny because we had Dylan Atkinson of Utah Street Report on the show last week, and we were talking about how well the Orioles have been pitching. And then they go out and give up 33 runs in three games. Literally that night, they go out and give up eight runs. And it's just, I'm glad you brought up Hyde because I don't know how to feel about it. Right. I like the fact that he's coming out there and saying, no, this is unacceptable. Um, what I'm not sure you can do is call out your players in that manner on air. I understand. That's something you can do behind closed doors. I get the frustration. I remember... At least not this often. Yeah, three or four times in the same week, yeah, right? Yeah. And I remember back in 1998, the Orioles were underachieving. Ray Miller was the manager. And after a game, they were asking what was going wrong. And he said, I don't know. I'm not the one pitching. I'm not the one batting. Go in and ask the players why, why they're not playing well. And as a manager, you're the leader. And you're, at, at a minimum, you have to protect your players. You can make the argument that most of these guys aren't going to be on the roster next year or right. the year after when this rebuild comes to fruition. I don't know how good of a look it is, though, for the manager to call out the players because then other players that come in and players that were here that are growing in the system, they see that. How are they going to feel about their manager? Yeah, that, and um, you mentioned the 98 team, which is obviously a much more veteran-laden squad than this one mm -hmm. that maybe has a, a, you know some veterans who aren't long for the game, but also a lot of young players getting sort of their first shot, and do they need to be treated with a little more um, kid gloves by Hyde? So mm -hmm. I'm, I absolutely understand where you're coming from. Um, as a fan, emotionally, I like seeing Hyde right. get I upset. Get that. I really wonder how Mike Elias feels about what he's been saying, and if maybe if um, behind closed doors he'll tell him to lay off a little bit, and we'll, we'll see less pointed comments, or if... He just sort of lets his um, first-year manager do it his way. And that remains to be seen. I think we'll probably lean more towards the latter there. Let your first-year manager, first -year manager do things his way. Um, and I think that Mike Elias probably also understands that this roster isn't a roster that we're going to see much of moving forward after this season uh, once you start getting guys promoted to the big leagues. And so maybe he's just going to let Hyde get off the frustration. I mean, how can you not be frustrated? We're Orioles fans. The only connection we have to the team is that they're our home team, and we watch them every night, and we want them to win. This is a guy whose life, he eats, breathes, sleeps the Baltimore Orioles. It's his team. His frustration has got to be so much higher than ours. So I get it. I get it. I just think that there, maybe there needs to be a little bit of a do that behind closed doors, but to the media, be like, well, we just got to play better. Right. Um, one last quote before we move on. He also said, 
Uh, I'm looking forward to the day when we've got waves of arms coming through here that are impact guys that can get people out. Right now, we don't have enough of them. Very true. Mm -hmm. How do the guys in the bullpen feel hearing the manager say, we have and, no arms that can get anybody out right now? And I'm going to take the other side of that argument this time. I took the, you know, you can't say that side yeah. the first time. Look at your numbers. Yeah. Look at what you're doing on a nightly basis. Look at the fact you've given up 147 home runs through 73 games. I mean, that is... That is so, so bad. If you don't want them to say it, don't give them a reason to say it. And so far, with the exception of a five games of a six game stretch last week, and we're talking last week, so we're talking the first bit of June until you had good consistent good pitching. The this the, the bullpen's just not putting up the numbers. I mean the, the comments are warranted. Again, maybe don't say that on the air, you know, maybe don't vent your frustrations that much, but he's not wrong, right? Yeah, right. So uh, now, you talk about that game last night, the 10-run sixth inning. They have lose. To? <laughs> Not really. We'll, <laughs> we'll move on very quickly here. Right. Um, it, with 10-run sixth inning, you lose a game 16-2. to two. It's about to happen again. It, uh, <laughs> in just a few hours. It almost makes that first game of the series enjoyable, right? But you look at that game, all the runs were scored in the first couple innings of the ball game. The... Athletics only had the one earned run that they scored, two, un, two unearned runs because of a Chance Cisco error. Mm -hmm. And now we've seen Chance Cisco. Uh, he drops a ball against, it was, it was against the Red Sox or the Blue Jays? I, I believe Red Sox. Against the Red Sox. He drops a ball. The guy never touches the plate, but the umpire's first call was safe because he dropped the ball. And then when he picked it up, he didn't tag the guy. He just put the ball up in the air. Right. Right? Then uh, last night in the game, yeah. Um, the, there's there's a there's a tag play. Two nights he, ago, right? I think it was last night. Okay. It was it was early on. That okay. game just seems so long. It yeah, seems like it was right. two days ago. Yeah. Uh, he tags the guy high. Originally called out. They review it. He's safe. Right. The error two nights ago, where right. where they get the out at home, he throws it wild to first base, and another run scores. That's what I was thinking of, which was both a a, a mental and a physical error. Right. Um. He, he had no business throwing that ball to first base at all, and you know so. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you don't want to, you can't make that throw the first base because the ball was hit deep enough in the infield that right. you have the one play at home. Just be happy that you cut down the run. Right, you got the lead runner, you 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 got the don't you, you stopped the run from scoring, and then the errant throw is all because now you're hurrying your throw to the first base. Right. A veteran sits there, maybe even Pedro Severino sits there and doesn't make that throw the first base. Now, Chan Cisco. We know about his bat. The defense is far and away behind his bat. He's at the major league level because of his bat. Uh, so far, if you were to tally it out over 1,200 innings caught, he would have negative 23 defensive runs saved, which is abysmal. Uh, he's only caught one of five base stealers. He has two errors in five games started this year. The league fielding percentage is 992. Chance Cisco's fielding percentage is 957. His range factor far below league average. We won't even get into his ERA as a backstop because right. the Orioles don't have many yeah, if right. any major league pitchers. That's other not than fair the, when you're catching the Orioles. <laughs> right. So, so we won't even get into that. They drafted Adley Rutschman. Chance Cisco has no shot at catching for this team in the future, right? None. So, and Pedro Severino is under team control for a legitimate amount of time. So, and it's been a pleasant surprise. Right. He, and he's, uh, more than a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I mean, we're talking... When you look at the catchers in the American League, he's been all-star caliber mm -hmm. to this point in the season. Chan Sisko, is he 
I, he might even be trade bait if you really think about it because where are they going to play him? Are they going to play him in the outfield? Are they going to play him at first base? They have a log game in both those positions, I think, and he's not going to catch. He's probably not going to DH either. What do you do with Chan Cisco? Yeah, it's tough. Um, you brought up his bat, and granted, he's only had 26 um, at-bats so far this year, but he has a 952 OPS. Mm -hmm. He's hitting well. Right. I would like to see Chan Cisco get m many more at-bats up here. Let's see if his bat really can play. And then at that point... You can say we need to find a position for this guy. Right. If you give him another season of at bats and he, his bat starts to tank again, then maybe you don't have to worry about finding a position for him because if the bat can't carry him, there's no point. You, um, you talked about the log jam at first base. Um, maybe, and I wanted to bring this up, Chris Davis. We haven't really talked about. Last year we talked about him how his 2018 was you know just the worst historically bad. Historically bad. Last year's OPS was 539. This point this year it's 528. Mm -hmm. Like no one talks about it because the team's just so bad. But Chris Davis is right back to being what he was at the end of last year or worse. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing Cisco get some of those games at first base. Uh, we saw um, Hans Alberto DH last night. So that's how I get a little more creative. Let's do that with Cisco. Let's okay. get him some more at bats. Well, you answered my next question. I was going to say where is he going to get the at bats because. Severino's going to catch more than Cisco is yeah. at, at, and, at this point. Um, so. Also, we just heard that Mark Trombo probably won't be back. He's getting the um, PRP injection. He already got that. Got the They're going to see injection. if that takes. I don't think it's going to take. I think his career's over. Yeah. It's, um, but just as far as that relates to Cisco, that's one less guy you have to worry about coming up and getting in his way as right. far as outfield slash DH slash first base at bats. And, and at this point, how much are you really going to get out of Mark Trombo anyway? The Orioles are, might as well just you know shelf him, and then he's done. You, you, don't have, you, you pay him. For yeah. this year, because you you're obligated to, but then he's done after that. Right, I mean, so. the best case scenario for him all year was that he, he comes back sometime in May and just mashes for two and a half months, and then mm. you can get something for him at the deadline. Even if he were to come back now and hit, I don't think anyone would give you anything for him. The sample size would just be way too small. All right, and, and, be hurt. and you're looking at a very small amount of teams because not, nobody's going to play him in the outfield. Nobody's going to play him at first base. So he's, you're looking at, some, at a team that needs a DH that can hit, the, that can occasionally hit the ball over the fence. Yep. And at this point, with Trumbo with that knee, how much is he really going to give anybody? So I just think that the guy's career is done. But uh, right now we got to get a word from our sponsor. But we're going to when we get back after hearing from DNL Window Tinting, we're going to talk about the Orioles' offense and how even if the pitching has been good, had been good over the last week. They probably still wouldn't have won many games. Uh, we'll talk about that next, but first a word from our sponsor. In your home, sunshine can stream in through windows, bringing a cheerful feel and warmness to any room. Sometimes, though, it brings in too much warmth, even harmful ultraviolet light and solar energy that can raise energy bills, drain the color from your fabrics and furnishings, and cast a blinding glare on your television or computer screens. DNL Window Tinting can protect your home from all of this while saving you money on energy bills. Start saving today by calling DNL at 410-941-2942. That's 410-941-2942. Welcome back to the Payoff Pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting on Fanimal Radio. And sitting in with me today is Derek Arnold. And Derek, we just talked about how bad the Orioles pitching has been. But honestly, the pitching wouldn't have mattered regardless because the Orioles offense has only gotten worse. And that might be attributed to the fact that Dwight Smith hasn't been in the order, and that's one less quality bat, if you can use the term quality, um, that's in the lineup. Uh, just a few numbers for you. They've scored three runs or less in 11 of 16 games this year. Uh, not this year, this month, of, in the month of June. They're averaging 3.3 runs per game in the month while allowing just about seven 
and they're hitting 226 with a 285 on base percentage, which is below their already abysmal uh, numbers of 237, 297 for the season. Um, the, all, they could have they could have been out there throwing gems, and it wouldn't matter. They they lose games three to two, right? right? Which they've done. They did the other night. Yeah, they, they almost did it. They did it for about a week straight yeah. when they were pitching right. well. Yeah. <laughs> they almost did it against Boston the other day, but that ended up being a three to three game in the ninth. It ended up eight to six because again bad bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, the offense has been bad. Um, you mentioned Dwight Smith; he's been out since I think June sixth or seventh. But even before that, um, he had seen his OPS drop from 783 in April to 733 in May down to 607 in June. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of not um, unique to him. A guy like Jonathan VR, 755 in April, 786 in May, he's down to 430 in June. We talked about Chris Davis falling off a cliff again. Um, Rio, Rio Ruiz, he was 693 in May, he's 466 in June. So I think for a couple of these guys, it might be sort of a combination of they're young and getting their most exposure ever. Like Ruiz and Smith Jr. already have the most at-bats they've ever had in a major league season. Right. So they're sort of having the grind of a major league season. It's a growing pace. Every day for the first time. Um, opposing pitchers are getting a little, little bit more um, tape on them. I'm not saying that opposing pitchers are stayed up at night thinking about Rio Ruiz, but right. they have a scouting report now. Mm-hmm. That makes a difference. So, you know, it's... Are they getting more exposed? Are they just getting tired? But everyone sort of is falling off at the same time. Uh, another guy, and the one player who's not falling off has been Trey Mancini. Mm-hmm. Like he and Hunter Alberto. And Alberto. Um, he's good for a whole lot of singles. Right, all, that's all true. Um, Kevin Brown, the um, Orioles radio guy, had a tweet, uh, I think, yesterday that Hanser Alberto is a stat cast miracle. He's in like the zeroth percentile for, <laughs> I think, exit velocity in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. He's hitting over 300. So he might be due to come back down to earth a little bit. I hope not. Hopefully he can just keep spraying singles. Um, but yeah, Trey Mancini's still raking. Everyone else swinging a wet noodle. Right. Well, and Anthony Santander, Santander, Santander however Santander, you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Santander. Hat tip Kevin Brown. Yeah, right. <laughs> For figuring it out, yeah, nice he, he asked the asked guy. The guy. He asked the guy, and he was like, it's Santander. I don't want to throw shade on, like, the other Orioles broadcasters, but why did it take the new guy coming in to ask him how you say, <laughs> how you say his name? Because they've been, everyone else has been saying it wrong for, like, two, three years. Mm-hmm. And now, thanks to Kevin Brown, they all say it right. And there was a lot of people like, why is everyone saying his name like this? Well, my question is why did it take so long, because I'm pretty sure Joe Angel said his name correctly. I'm, uh, this isn't the first time I've heard Santander, and I'm pretty sure it was Joe Angel that I always heard say his name correctly. You might be right. Because Joe Angel always says the names correctly. I wonder if... The other broadcasters were just like, oh, that's just crazy Joe. That's probably what it was. That's just Joe doing <laughs> what Joe does. He was Hispanic, right? Right, yeah. right. He, he would definitely always get the Hispanic players' names right, whereas others would not. Right. But there have been other players who had names that maybe weren't said phonetically. Like, they look different than they sound. Mm-hmm. And the world's broadcasters, for the most part, got it right. It's just funny that they Except were, for Gary Thorne. <laughs> except for Gary. San, Santanda. Santana, Aaron Carnacci, Aaron. Aaron Canacy owns a good one. Yeah, oh my gosh. We could go At on least he wasn't on. an Oriole. At least he's a Yankee now. Like, that yeah. could make everyone feel better. Yeah, but we still, now <laughs> we're going to get to hear, you know, probably seven or eight more times the butchering of that guy's last name by Thorns. Well, so. if it's just every time he hits a home run against the Orioles, that's at least a dozen. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. But getting back to getting back on topic a little bit. Getting you know, back to bad offenses. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad, exactly. Back to bad offenses. They don't, don't have four fifty homer guys in their lineup. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at 
you know, Santander, he is, he's cooled off tremendously over the last few games, which you kind of expect him to do because he's only hitting 263 at the minor league level. You don't hit 263 in the minors and come up and hit 340 at the majors. It just doesn't happen. Right. And honestly, everybody else, with the exception of Mount Castle and Hayes, that were solid projectable hitters, have already been promoted. You, we're, we're like, oh, let's get, let's get these guys up. They have. The Orioles don't really have a ton of guys to bring up. Wilkerson was, was hitting well. He's up. Uh, DJ Stewart, he's up. Chan Sisko, he's up. Anthony Santander, he's up. Then Mountcastle, they want him to have more plate discipline. I think I saw that he walked in a game twice last week, which is unheard of for him considering he had like seven walks for the season going into that game. He's in over 300. He's showing a lot of power. He's one of the Orioles' top prospects. 62 strikeouts and nine walks right now. There you go. And it was because of that two-walk game that he went yeah. from seven to nine. And... Uh, but they want him to have a, a lot of time to really become a disciplined hitter because they want, when he gets up here, they want him to stay and be a solid force in the middle of that lineup. And then Austin Hayes, they're projecting him even before we knew that Cedric Mullins wasn't what we hoped Cedric Mullins was going to be. Yeah. Mike Elias was talking about Austin Hayes is going to be the Orioles' everyday center fielder at some point, and he's hitting 222 down, down in Norfolk. Now, granted, it's in nine games. He showed a little bit of pop down there, but... These are guys that you can't call up until they're doing the things you want them to do. Yeah. Uh, you have other guys, Jace Peterson. He's in 297, but we know who Jace Peterson is, right? That's not amazing. That's a 4A player. Yeah. Uh, Mason Williams, solid minor league bat, but he's been in the minor leagues for 10 years. He's going to be 28 in August. Doesn't have power. Hits for about a 280 average at best. That's not really a guy that you're going to be counting on, and not really. You just be bringing him up out of necessity more than anything else. And then Zach Vinci, he's having a nice season, but he turned 28 in May. I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was a younger guy than that. But those are the only bats that we're talking about right now. Yasniel Diaz is still in, in Bowie, and he's coming off you know, a, pl a Player of the Week award down there. So that's nice. But he's only hitting 248 between Frederick and Bowie this year. Uh, you don't really have a lot of bats in this system right now to talk about. Yeah, and we sort of saw with um, Stewart what can happen, even when someone is raking a triple-A, mm -hmm. showing the good plate discipline that they want. He came up, he had three at-bats in that first game against the Tigers. Three hits. Um, and every at-bat was really well. I think he, he saw like 18 pitches in, right. in four at-bats that night. And then he goes like six games without getting on base at all. Mm -hmm. And then he gets hurt. Right. So even if you have guys that are raking down there, which the Orioles don't, you never know what can happen. Um, Stewart's a guy you really hope once he comes back, he can sort of get back in in the flow of things, show something with the bat. Um, Cisco, we already talked about. He's mm -hmm. a guy you'd like to see get more at-bats. Maybe he can hit. There's no cavalry coming to help the offense either, Right, for sure. Right. And you talk about a guy like DJ Stewart. Look, is DJ Stewart ever going to be a 300 hitter at the major league level? Probably not. But I do think that when he does come back, we'll see a little bit more productivity. If he doesn't get sent back down to the minor leagues. I, think right. we'll, I, think, I don't think we're going to see... I don't think the player that we saw after that first game is the player that he is. And I don't think the player we saw in that first game is the player that he is. It was, he was a spark plug. He was fun to watch. Yep. He was playing with his hair on fire yeah. that game. But I think that what you're going to get out of, out of him, when, when the season's over, I think you'll see about a 260, 265 batting average with a 340, 350 on base percentage. And I think that that's about what you can expect for his career. He might get up to the two, around 280 with 20 to, 20, with 20 to 25 homer pop, but... I don't think that DJ Stewart is as bad as he showed before he got hurt. I think that was just kind of people figuring him out, and then he'll make the proper adjustments and move forward. Yeah, and but, that would be, like, a fun thing to watch. Right. And it sucks he got hurt, not only for him, but for us as fans. Like, mm -hmm. we want something to watch. We want young guys. 
we're not these people in like Orioles Facebook saying, call up everybody right now and they're not ready. I don't care. I, I just want to watch young guys. But like someone who earned it, like Stewart, right. we'd like to watch him play. Right, mm-hmm. make this a little bit less painful. At least like one that bat out of every nine. <laughs> right, and and it's it's funny you say we'd like to watch him play. Jim Palmer was on the broadcast last night, and people were talking about are they going to trade Trey Mancini? He's like, why on earth would you trade Trey Mancini? You have to have somebody that people want to watch. You have to have somebody with talent on right. this roster, and right now it's Mancini, you know, singles god Hanser Alberto, and then. Hopefully, DJ Stewart, Pedro Severino, like we said, has been a nice surprise. You know, it's it. We get into this. We do stuff like this because we're Orioles fans, right? right. We didn't. We we got into the sports journalism world and the sports broadcasting world because we grew up as fans of this team, and that's why we do it. So, I have no qualms about saying I'm an Orioles fan, and I want to see them play well. I understand what this season is about, but. It is very frustrating to look at this team and look at what's in the minor leagues at the high levels. The low levels, the Orioles are, are kind of stacked. In, in um, Delmarva, uh, Frederick, and even Bowie, they have a lot of promising players. But at the high level, at AAA, they don't have anybody that's, that's next that's going to come up and help this team suddenly win You know, 30 out of 58 games. It's just not going to happen, and that's frustrating to watch. But again, we know what this season is, so... Hopefully we'll get some people up here. They'll start playing a little bit better. You, you expect them to lose, but you don't want to see these 16-2 to two games with a 10-run inning. They've given up two five-run innings, a six-run inning, a seven-run a seven inning, and a 10-run inning since we last did a show. Right. That is <laughs> god-awful. This is a weekly show. Yeah, a it's, it's a weekly show. <laughs> Literally, monthly. we did a show this time last week, yeah. and they've given up that many crooked numbers. And haven't won a game since. And the, and exactly. They haven't <laughs> won a game since, right. which is... Even more outstanding, but the, again, Baltimore Orioles baseball. But Derek, always a pleasure talking to you. So glad you could come on the show today. Hopefully, we'll get you on again soon. We're getting into those. We're starting to enter those dog days of summer where it's more of a grind than ever because the draft is over. So it's good to get good guests on the show and, and have somebody that I can you know talk baseball with for 30 minutes and it feels like 10. Thanks, man. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I did too, man. And hopefully, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. On. And uh, once again, this has been the Payoff Pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting on Fanimal Radio. I'm Paul Valley. You can follow me at Paul Valley the Third on Twitter. Derek, you have a couple of Twitter handles, right? Yeah, but Orioles fans only worry about Utah ST Report. You don't want to follow my other one. Uh, at, <laughs> at Utah ST Report. I follow his personal handle, and he's right. You don't want to follow. Yeah, him. you don't want to follow. <laughs> um, a lot of whining. So you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, and tune in next week. We'll have another great guest, and we'll talk more Orioles baseball. Until then. Go O's, and we'll see you next time.